if you are fearful of the person crying, threatening to quit, shouting back at you, then work through what do you want to do if that happens? Because instead of them being paralyzed by the fear of, oh my gosh, what if they shout at me? And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care, and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week, we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, Helen, thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you and talking about this book. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So could you share with our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm Helen Fruin. Hello. I'm a business psychologist for a consulting firm named Totem. And when I say business psychologist, that's about taking psychology, research, leadership insights, industry best practice, and saying, how does that help us in the workplace? So often it's about looking at developing leaders, developing people in business to be better at what they do. Excellent. And how did our paths cross? Did they cross this around, I want to say, like, maybe this time last year. Yes. So I just came across you on LinkedIn and we must have some connections in common. And I started listening to your podcast. I started looking at your content and you just ooze this calm, helpful, incredibly passionate person. And I just thought I want to connect with you. So I reached out to you on LinkedIn and then I was researching for my first book, which now hasn't been written yet. It'll become the second (laughs) book. Uh, And we had a conversation uh, for our podcast. Yeah. So we talked about difficult conversations. So you interviewing people on their take on difficult conversations. We recorded a podcast. So why did you not write that book and tell us about your new book absolutely so I started writing the book on having better conversations or honest conversations and indeed as you say I was interviewing people like yourself to understand how do you go about it so it wasn't just my view it was hearing from other people as well about how to do this and that passion for helping people do conversations better is still there when I was writing the book I got stuck around there was so much I could say But the book would have ended up being so long, nobody would have wanted to read it. (laughs) I started getting really stuck and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And one of the themes that was coming up, not just in the conversations about the book, but in all of my conversations at work was the theme around confidence and people saying, oh, I don't know if I can do that because I'm not confident enough or I feel like I need more confidence before I can do X, Y, Z. 
And I was thinking, actually, you know what? For 20 years, I've heard that message and it's not a helpful message. And I started coming up with this idea of an alternative book that was saying, you know, stop telling yourself you need more confidence. There's something better you can do. And once I decided to write that book, it just flew out of me. The whole book was done in two months. So interesting. So the book is called Better Than Confidence. And you talk about competence being better than confidence or how competence makes you more confident. So talk to us about that. So if you think of confidence as being the way we feel about our ability or the way we feel about our competence. So am I a confident public speaker? Is do I think I'm a good public speaker or do I feel like a good public speaker? Well, whether or not I feel like a good public speaker, the better option is to be a good public speaker. So instead of focusing on, oh, could I feel more confident? Could I feel like I'm better? Just go and work on being better. Feeling of being confident is something that's ingrained in you, you know, like probably from kids, you know, it's about being confident. You talk about being brave and it's like, actually, let's go back. What is the definition of confidence? Mm, That's a really tricky one because there's lots of different definitions of confidence. So you've got on the one side, confidence is me feeling good about my ability Then you've got when we say, I've got confidence in you. So that would suggest that I trust you or I trust your level of ability. Then you've got market confidence, like how how the the stock exchange changes. So you've got lots of different definitions of confidence. For me, and, and talking about this book, I talk about confidence being that place of calm, where we're not in a place of anxiety. We feel in control. We're in that place of calm. And that naturally feels really good. It's just not always the most helpful thing to aim for because it can be a distraction away from the thing you're actually looking to do. It's so interesting. I got asked to do a talk and I bottled it because I did not feel confident. I really didn't. And I thought, look, somebody else can do it. And then I went to go and see that speaker and I thought they were good, but I thought, why? I could have done that. I could have done that. And then I then did a talk and I was saying to my husband, I talk about a lot about imposter syndrome. I think for the first time ever I had, I felt confident. I knew my stuff. I knew my topic. I had a presentation. I didn't need it. And it was, yeah, it was, I felt calm. I felt both calm and excited. And I felt like this is what I do. And I just think I've taken like nearly seven years in this bit, in this kind of bit of my career. But it was, yeah, that was literally the other day. But it was, I think probably we maybe we all just need to define what confidence feels to us and thinking about what what is it that I do to help me feel confident? When do I feel most confident? And I think for me, it's I'm in, I think we all have like a micro niche. I have got a niche. And when I stick in that niche, I'm fine. I do step out every now and again because that's learning isn't it you just always want to learn but yeah I focus on what I know and I don't care about the noise of everybody else then I feel confident the lack of confidence comes in when I'm thinking oh I haven't written a book oh I haven't done this oh I haven't done that and the confidence is based on what other people are doing yeah and haven't you just done a podcast on comparing yourself to other people and the thing is it's like I should know better I really should, but I don't. 
I can give the advice. The <laughs> exactly. We're really good at giving advice. How do we take it ourselves? Uh, and I think there's something really interesting you're saying here about identifying what is it that helps you feel confident and what is it that helps you be at your best? Because to your point about the, the time that you bottled it from giving a speech <laughs> and then you recognize, well, actually, I could have done a really good job. So even though you didn't feel confident, you still could have done a good job. Time the other day, you did feel confident. How much more can you then shine through? And identifying what are those things? So I need to stop myself from comparing myself to others. I need to focus on my niche. If you know what those things are, then instead of just vaguely hoping for some confident feeling to come about, you've got specific things you can do to feel great and do great. And that's the point here is, is finding those specific things that work for you. So I, I love that you've already done that. But incompetence, some people have the competence, you know, like, you know, those people that have done course after course, after course, after course, after course, trying to find the thing that they don't know. They have got the competence that they don't have. They still don't have the confidence. Yeah. So what? Why do we tell ourselves that we need to have the confidence? If I've got the competence, the question is, what does the comp or lack of confidence stop us from doing? So if I'm totally competent, but because I've got that imposter syndrome that you talk about, I don't go and be brave. I don't go and put myself forward for those opportunities. Then the risk is that I tell myself, well, because I'm not confident, I can't go for those opportunities. What if I just said, I'm going to go for those opportunities anyway. I don't have the confidence, but I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone. That's, that can be a horrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> That can be really, really scary. And I think in our field in healthcare, I mean, it's supposed in, in any field, but that's just where I work. So you've got the competence. You don't, if you feel like you don't have the confidence, you put yourself forward into a leadership position. You're the clinical director of a network and you feel like you're on quicksand. We do need to acknowledge in building that confidence can be really horrible. And you're making mistakes, perceived mistakes, yeah. on display and you talk of other people having confidence in you mm -hmm. it's very some people have people have confidence in, probably some people have more confidence in me than I have in myself yeah. but also if I show up and I'm not confident why should I expect other people to give me that confidence right. it's very very important because you don't want to mess up your big shot because people think they're not speaking with authority, you know, they're slouched down, they're acting like they don't know what they're doing. And then it's just like onto the next. Yeah. And so this is the entire concept of the book. Okay. So if confidence is massively helpful because of all the things you're describing, it makes you feel stronger. It makes you feel like you can earn other people's trust. If confidence is helpful for all of those reasons, why am I saying that there's something better than confidence? The reason I'm saying there's something better than confidence is because for many of us, the idea of becoming more confident, you know, you said it took you seven years. Do I have to wait seven years <laughs> to become confident? Oh my goodness. I don't want to wait seven years. So what, what's better? What's an alternative that gets me there quicker? What enables me to step into that role of clinical director? Because I probably have got the competence and other people keep telling me I can do it. So I'm going to step into that role with no confidence. What else can I do instead of waiting seven years? 
Well, one thing I could do is work on, as you say, about slouching or looking like I'm not coming across as confident. I can learn small changes in my behavior that make me look confident, even if I'm not feeling it. And I can learn small changes in my thinking so that as you talk about when we start to make mistakes, which we will all do in a new post, well, how am I going to manage those mistakes? And how am I going to explain to people, you know, I'm new into this role, I'm learning as much as you're learning as well, and I've made this mistake, I'm going to be open about that mistake, let's look at how we resolve this. And I learn to have that, that set of words that makes me sound more in control when I might well be feeling like I'm in quicksand and thinking, oh my gosh, I've messed up, this is terrible. So what I've done is, is learn specific tools that are helping me come across as more confident or deliver that role more effectively, even if I'm not feeling it and it avoids having me to wait seven years to feel it. What gave you the confidence to write this book? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> as I say, when I was writing the other book and getting really stuck, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been helping people have difficult conversations for 20 years. I've been helping people feel more confident or overcome a lack of confidence for 20 years. So all of the competence, the expertise is there. I wonder if the lack of confidence with the previous book was to your point about comparison. I kept looking at the books in the market on difficult conversations. And there are some outstanding books on difficult conversations. In fact, there's one called Difficult Conversations that I cannot recommend enough, it's brilliant. It's the Harvard Business School, the Harvard Negotiation team have written it. So it's just so well researched and so well put together. Bruce Patton, Douglas Stone and Sheila Heen, Difficult Conversations. So I'm, I'm writing a book and I'm looking at other books that are better than what I think I could write and thinking, well, what am I doing it for? How is it helping? The thing about this book, Better Than Confidence, is that I wasn't seeing anything in the market that was quite so useful. I'd spent 20 years helping people overcome this. Oh, I need more confidence. Well, what are you going to do if you need more confidence? Take a pill? Wait for seven years? How are you, what are you actually going to do? Let's work through some specific tools that will help you get what it is you need, whether that's confidence or competence or, or whatever it may be. And I couldn't see any other books on the market that, was, that were giving people that. So back to the comparison issue, actually, one of the things that gave me confidence was not seeing that there was something else that was better. So that was certainly part of it. The other thing that made a huge difference was that I started talking to people about what I was writing and they started saying to me, oh my gosh, that book is really needed. And the more I heard that, the more I was thinking, okay, I'm on to something here. So it is a pleasure to be bringing the Business of Healthcare podcast in partnership with DKMS UK. DKMS are a blood cancer charity on a mission to find a blood stem cell match for everyone who needs it. I am proud to share that I am an ambassador for DKMS UK and my particular interest in partnering with them is that as it stands, fewer than 3% of patients from a black or mixed ethnic background are on the stem cell blood registry. We need more people to sign up to the registry and more people to spread the message. So I hope you will join me in doing so. To sign up to the registry, please visit 
dkms.org.uk to get involved. People have got the technical know-how. Absolutely, you know, they can read, we can all read an NHS policy and interpret it and put that into practice. We can all do that. But it's the, oh, the soft slash hard stuff. It's the yeah. confidence, it's the mindset, it's the resilience, it's the being brave, it's the having difficult conversations. And it comes up all the time. It's being in that board meeting and nobody says anything or the, the reverse. You've got six items on the agenda and you can't get past agenda item one because everyone is all kicked off. And it's just you're constantly dealing with the unexpected and you kind of have to keep poised and composed and manage your emotions and manage your own energy. And I think in that... Sometimes you just get in the zone. Yes. But it only takes one comment. And so that comment is your own, maybe your own comment in your own head. And it's just, you think you get distracted. Oh God, you lose your, you stop listening. You, you lose your train of thought. I think it's all of that stuff. It's, that's the stuff that when I look at leadership training and courses, that stuff is always missing. Right. Yeah, how am I? But basically, looking at my mind management. Yeah, uh, I guess you come to the chimp paradox and, and yeah. great stuff there about mind management. Because as you say, how can you be a great leader if you can't even get past your own <laughs> unhelpful thoughts in the meeting? Uh, and one of the most useful things there is to move into a place of curiosity, where we get stuck in difficult conversations or difficult meetings. Is we're trying to defend our position or manage our own <laughs> unhelpful thinking. Whereas if we can move into a place of curiosity of saying, okay, I'm keen to understand, you know, I thought we had six items on the agenda, we'd get through fine, but actually we seem quite stuck on this first item. Help me understand what's going on. What's the sticking point here? When we can move into that space of curiosity and be keen to understand other people, it just helps us move past all of that defensiveness and unhelpful thinking. In that moment of curiosity, that you're in a committee situation, sometimes we just need to move on. Absolutely. We've debated this. <laughs> I understand your point, and we still need to move on. Yeah. That takes confidence. It usually takes authority to know that you're the chair in the room, and that therefore that's part of your role. So if I'm not the chair in the room, it takes massive confidence to say, I think we need to move on. If you're the chair in the room because you've taken that role of clinical director or whatever it may be, then looking at what's my purpose, my purpose is to get us through the agenda. My purpose is to get us moving, making decisions, delivering results. We cannot debate this for another half an hour. And I am not delivering my role if I let us debate this for another half an hour. And so it's almost connecting in with purpose or what outcome we want that can help that confidence come through. Because it's like, well, where, where is that confidence coming from? It's coming from my sense of responsibility that I need to move the conversation forward. I think I would ask everybody to rewind what that little bit 
Right. And I think going back to what is your role, what is the purpose of your role in that moment will yes. is be a really, really key tool to help you in those difficult moments. You are there to chair the meeting. You have been given that authority. Step into that authority. They're looking for you to lead. It may not feel comfortable and they're not going to like you, but I can there'll be the majority 99.9% of those people would not want that job. Yeah. And that's why it's easy for them to go, Oh, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? Mm-hmm. So you've given that authority, like own it. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really, really helpful point. That's why I start the book with what outcome do you want? Yeah. Because we, we can say, oh, I want to be confident. What do you want to be confident for? Because I want to step into that authority because I want to lead meetings. I don't want to sit in any more committee meetings where we go round and round in circles. I want to see this trust deliver results. I want to see this organization thrive. If that's the outcome I want, let me head towards that rather than thinking, oh, I'm just going to sit here and hope I can be more confident one day. So good. <laughs> Do you think there's any merit in or any truth if it's that I find you arrogant? Is it because I'm not feeling confident? Yeah, it's a fascinating one. And again, this is where I would say, going back to your uh, point, that sometimes the curiosity thing is not appropriate, right? In the middle of a committee, there's 30 of us in the room. I say, well, Tara, tell me more about what you mean by that. We're like, no, 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 let's just move on. But if you come to me and say, Helen, I find you really arrogant, or you might not say it quite so directly, you might say, um, I I sometimes find our conversations uncomfortable, because I feel like you're being very direct, you're telling me what I should be doing, you're kind of telling me, I think you're maybe overconfident. For me to say, tell me more about that, what is it I'm saying, or what is it I'm doing that's coming across in that way, can really start to help me understand, okay, is this something I'm doing? Often, in those conversations, it may come up as you've described that it's the other person's lack of confidence or insecurity that's making them say, oh, actually you're coming across as arrogant. So if we're in that space of curiosity and tell me more about that, help me understand how can we work together better, we might better understand where each other are coming from. Would you not want to have that curiosity before it's interesting. I would want to have that conversation with myself. What is it about Helen that is grating on me versus me come to you and say, I, essentially, I don't like the way you are. <laughs> like, sure. Because that's not your, your issue. That's my issue because I'm not feeling confident and competent in what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm matched with somebody, a force of nature that's like, this is, this is what I think. They're, they may not be feeling confident, but they are giving off competence and directness and assertiveness. And I think yeah. that would be my take, because I think we project what we don't like in other people is either what we don't like in ourselves or, you know, like an envy, like, God, yeah. I, wish, I wish I could just rock that bikini. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish yeah. I could do this. So I'm going to criticize you for doing it because I could never do it. Totally. <laughs> and so to your point, yes, it would be ideal if we could all be in such a space of Zen maturity that we could say, oh, let me just analyze myself first because perhaps it's my issue. Yes, that would be great if 
imagine our, our relationships with our partners, <laughs> our kids, our families. If we could say, hmm, maybe the reason I'm angry with my mother right now is because I realize <laughs> I'm turning into her. You know, if we could all be in that space, that would be amazing. So it would be really good. I know you've, you've moved away from the kind of how to have better conversations, but that's our whatever we do in our job, yeah. the majority, it's we get the job done by talking. And there is, I've had lots of conversations recently. I've had difficult conversations when I'm prepared and I know, when I know what I think that I know, <laughs> I feel very <laughs> confident. But what are your top tips for, give us three top tips for heading into potentially what is going to be a difficult conversation? Okay, my three top tips for difficult conversations. Number one, again, what outcome do you want? Because often when we start thinking about, oh, I've, I've got to go tell this person, blah, blah, blah. We think about how am I going to tell them that? And then, oh gosh, they might respond like this and I need to be ready. We've already got distracted in storytelling and, and imagining what happens. If we start with what outcome do I want? Well, ultimately, the outcome I want is for us to have a better working relationship. Or I want this person to change their behavior so they can be a better manager. And let's start with that outcome. Maybe because we'll actually want to communicate that to the person and say, I wanted to talk to you because I want our working relationship to be even better. I wanted to talk to you because I thought it might help you be an even better manager. You might communicate that outcome, you might not, but just having the outcome in mind will really help you focus. So that's top tip number one, what outcome do you want? Top tip number two is to prepare the, the meat of what it is you want to say because often the reason we're calling it a difficult conversation is because there's something sensitive or, or hard in that message. So if you can talk about really specific things, so instead of that, like we did before with, you know, oh, you know, I get the impression you're too arrogant or I think you're too direct. Those are quite judgmental things to say. Whereas if you can say, when you say this, this and this, or you know, last Tuesday in that meeting when you did this, this is how it came across to me. You're getting more specific, more factual, and then saying, this is how it came across to me, or this is the impact that it had. So top tip number two is to get really specific and factual and have that, the bit that you're most sensitive about really well prepared. And then top tip number three is to prepare your fears. If you are fearful of the person crying, threatening to quit, shouting back at you, then work through what do you want to do if that happens? Because instead of them being paralyzed by the fear of, oh my gosh, what if they shout at me? We just think, okay, what would I do if they shout at me? So we could take a time out. We could say, this doesn't seem like the best time for us to be having this conversation. Let's pick this up later. So what we're doing is working through our fears instead of letting our fears take over and stopping us from having the conversation. And just to wrap up, what was your imagine now you've got a somebody that's just stepped into their first leadership position yeah. they picked up your book what are you hoping for them oh my gosh oh that's a great question because this is why i've written the book <laughs> i want to help people even apply for that leadership position in the first place and move into a position where they can do that so, okay, they've just stepped into their first leadership position. They've picked up the book. What do I hope for? I hope that they find in there reassurance that they don't need confidence before they can go and be successful. 
what they can find in there are practical tips for them to just go and be better at what they do and be successful in that leadership position straight away. So that might be that they step into that authority like you described earlier, because they say, this is why I took this leadership position. I want to make change in healthcare, therefore I'm gonna step into that role. Or maybe they read some top tips on coming across with more confidence and that helps them in their first team meeting. So I would want it to be a book that reassures them that they're in the right position to make a difference and there are some small things they can do to be effective straight away. Oh, love it. When is your book out? Well, I've been building up this whole November the 30th, November the 30th, but apparently I can press go earlier. So frankly, I'm just going to press go as soon as I physically can. It might well be on the 23rd. And where can we buy it? Amazon on Kindle or paperback. And I'm going to be doing Audible early in 2022. Love an Audible book. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if people want to connect with you, where can they find you online? HelenFruin.com is probably the easiest place or look me up on LinkedIn or Instagram. Thanks, Helen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review. I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. It's really, really funny. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.